You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about reading books over a long period of time. Not like we know you've been reading books for a long period of time, but like reading (laughs) one specific book for like a long period of time, like over the course of a long time. We'll get into it. Uh, We're giving (laughs) advice on making friends with librarians and we're recommending books to a librarian. Library heavy episode. Mm -hmm. But first, Bria, what are you reading? I am reading a book I mentioned briefly on the last episode. It's called Candelaria, a novel by Melissa Lozada Oliva. I have not heard of this. Okay. I don't know where I got this recommendation from. But I saw it on a couple of lists, I feel like. I feel like. And also, Jamie Loftus wrote one of the blurbs. And I like that Jamie Loftus wrote Raw Dog, which was one of my favorite nonfiction books I've read this year about hot dogs. This has nothing to do with that. This (laughs) book, I don't even know how to begin to explain it, but I think you would really like it, Mallory. I would say it's horror, apocalyptic, weird fiction. Okay. There's, um, okay, there's three granddaughters. There's a grandmother. Her name is Candelaria. She has three granddaughters. You have the brainy one who is like an archaeologist and you have one that's been missing for a while, but she's joined this like wellness cult. Uh, And then you have one who's a recovering addict who is pregnant by a man she's not sure actually existed. What? But at the beginning, you find out that this huge earthquake hits Boston and now she has to get across the city because she knows something that nobody else knows. And I'll just give you a little hint. There are like zombie-like creatures of some sort. And this grandmother is a real badass and realizes stuff is going down and immediately starts taking things into her own hands what when when her boyfriend comes home and he is not smelling like himself and she's like i've got to take this situation down and then it goes back and forth between her present day story and then everything leading up to it with the three granddaughters who are all kind of they've been estranged a little bit like one of them disappeared one of them wasn't talking to the other one but they've kind of uh like they're separate stories it is a wild book I saw it on, I think it was on like best of the year so far sort of list, but it didn't come out till September. So I don't remember. But just reading the description is compared to, uh, it's basically Julia Alvarez meets Cormac McCarthy, this is the road. Like it's like, it's a very like, yeah, a mixing of genres in a way that I was not prepared for. I think you should check it out. I know I'm looking at the page on Penguin Random House right now. What a bonkers book. And the cover makes it look like it's going to involve like, food or something because it's about a people yeah, it's a, it's a, the cover is a group of women fighting each other with gigantic forks that are bigger than they are but it's more like zombie and cult and like people like maybe kind of like pod people so i don't know i haven't figured i haven't finished it yet so i don't really know what are you reading molly all right you can't laugh at me okay i'm ready <laughs> but i want to talk about an audio book that might be one of my favorite audio books of the year oh my god it okay. is be useful Arnold Schwarzenegger's new book. (laughs) (laughs) I told you not to laugh. (laughs) Bria knows how much I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. You don't have to email me and tell me about problematic aspects of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I fucking love him. He's my problematic fave. He's my favorite actor. (laughs) I love I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. What I don't know what to tell you all. I listened to his autobiography last year and I loved it. And so when he came out with this new book, yeah, it just came out like a month ago. It's called be useful seven tools for life. And it's basically like his life advice book. And he reads, I had to do the audio book because uh, I think I was first in line at the library 
to get this audiobook. <laughs> I was ready. You may be um, only in line to get this audiobook. Oh, no. It's a number one New York Times bestseller. Is it? Okay. Oh, yeah. So he reads the whole thing, start to finish. It's broken down into like seven sections, like his ideas for for life. And just like any advice book, not everything is applicable to everybody. It's, it's just not, this is, it's, any, every advice book is not for everybody. But if you're someone who loves Arnold Schwarzenegger, like I do, uh, it's fantastic. I actually got a piece of advice out of this book that really might change my life. And What was it? I'm not telling everybody on this podcast. Okay. I'll tell you later. <laughs> But he delivers this life advice in a way that is really, really funny and is really mixed in with his own stories from the bodybuilding world, from being governor, from being, you know, the biggest movie star in the world. And the stories are really great. And his narration is just so casual and fun and funny. And I just fucking loved it. It's so pleasant and so enjoyable. And I can definitely see where people would be like, hey, that doesn't work for my life. But it's Arnold Schwarzenegger and he, I adore him and I really, really enjoyed it. So that's Be Useful, Seven Tools for Life by Arnold Schwarzenegger, read by Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and mine is Candelaria, a novel by Melissa Lozada Oliva. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Erica wrote in, Hi, Mallory and Bria. When Mallory said, people bring different life experiences in regards to why someone in book club might not like a book, it reminded me of one of the first meetups I did with a book club a few years ago. I can't recall the book, but someone brought up how they thought a character was totally unrealistic because no one would ever do that. Mm. I immediately spoke up and said, my ex-best friend was exactly like this. Awkward silence ensued. Mm. <laughs> Too true that everyone has different experiences that make books different. P.S. I also grew up in Haverhill and it makes me happy anytime Mallory brings up the Haverhill Public Library. Love that place as a kid. Ayo, shout out to the Haverhill Public Library. Love that place. Also, yeah, it is really funny because I think we've all had that experience where someone's like, that would never happen. That's totally unrealistic. And you're like, but I've seen that happen. I yeah. know somebody like that. I you know? had a similar thing with Southern Book Club's guide to, to slaying vampires where someone was like, well, I just didn't buy the women. And I was like, I knew those women. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Oh, like, I felt like, I mean, which, you know, Great thing about books, they open us up to different kinds of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Sarah wrote in, Kia Ora from a Kiwi Sarah in New Zealand. Does that mean hello, Kia Ora? Yep. Okay. I enjoyed your episode about disabled protagonists, and it made me think about how I got into reading in the first place. I come from a family of bookworms, but was not really interested in reading outside of school until my mom convinced me to get a Babysitter's Little Sister, that's a spinoff from the Babysitter's Club, book from the Scholastic Book Fair. The main character, Karen, proudly and boldly wears glasses. She even has two pairs. <laughs> I've been wearing glasses since I was two years old and my vision is bad enough that I completely, I'm completely useless without them. I hear you on that. I devoured the series and kept buying them long after I had aged out of the intended demographic, then eventually moved on to reading other books and have never looked back. I love the Netflix adaptation of Babysitter's Club, but was extremely disappointed that Karen, who was featured in it, had no glasses. Glasses erasure, I hate uh, that. But I started to notice that when I can't work out what it was about the book that I really enjoyed, I find that more often than not, it's because I see myself in a protagonist struggles with chronic pain, PTSD, or other mental health issues. I really thought that uh, Sarah was going to say, I found that I recognize myself in a person with glasses. But also, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> also maybe that too. Good. 
Representation matters. I now have a two-year-old of my own who has inherited my terrible vision and has started to notice that most of the glasses-wearing characters in his books are grandma and grandpa, not the spunky, vivacious kids getting up to usual kid hijinks. Any recommendations for picture books with bespectacled children would be greatly appreciated. He's also inherited my intention span, so the shorter, the better. Love your show. I look forward to hearing every new episode. You know, I love a kid in glasses. I so love anybody cute. in glasses. What um, age were you when you started wearing glasses? Well... That's a funny question because I actually really needed them much sooner in life and I didn't get them until I was 16. Oh my um, God. That's so weird. Yeah, late. I really, it was um, it's a bad, bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> I always had to sit up close. I couldn't see the board. I'm very, very, very nearsighted. One of the things I really loved about doing that episode was it really highlighted, like a lot of people don't consider people with bad vision who wear glasses as part of the disability community because glasses are such an easily accessible aid and it's kind of fun or you know maybe kind of sad to think about what the world would be like if all disability aids were so you know easily accommodated and yeah you know and out in the world and it was uh really fun to broaden your worldview and think about that when we when we did the show so hell yeah glasses forever I, <laughs> glasses forever i wore started wearing glasses in second grade and really in second grade yeah and mine were red they were red circle glasses and it was That's very Harry Potter, so like red cute. circle glasses on a little second grader. I know I we have very bad eyesight <laughs> in my family early on. And now I'm almost where I can need reading glasses, but I'm not quite. I have to hold things really far away from my face, but I haven't start. And, and I make my print very big. So I think if I read regular non ebooks, I would probably wear reading glasses. But I still am at the point where the only thing I can do is read without my glasses yeah. but yeah if i if i lose my glasses i can't uh the other day i i for some reason i like got out of the shower and took them off and put them in a weird place and i couldn't find them and i'm like basically yeah. useless i have to call yeah. jeremy and be like jeremy you have to help me find my glasses <laughs> i this is a real fear of mine apocalyptic fear where i'm like what if something happens to my glasses because i know the oh, contact lenses I are gonna run out you know at some point I save all my old glasses. I have like yeah. 10 pairs of glasses because I have the same, like, it's like that Twilight Zone episode. That is like my greatest fear is that Mad Max will happen and I will not have glasses. I will just have to do nothing but, I guess, you know, well, maybe do nothing but read for the rest of my life. <laughs> bad idea. Anyway, they, <laughs> we're happy to hear that. And Dave wrote in to say, as I have been a comic book junkie most of my life, I have never been able to resist a quarter bin. Recently, I've been patronizing a chain called Half Price Books, of who course. tragically insist on putting price tags on each of the comics in their 50 cent bins. Is it even cost efficient to do this? Who knows? These horrid stickers typically result in about a third of my haul having torn uh. covers. After my last haul, I remembered your hot, hot tip about getting stickers off of books with a hairdryer. OMG, it totally worked. None of the covers tore even the slightest. Great. This was truly life-changing. Dave, we got you covered. Fantastic. An actual hot, hot tip. Yeah, hot, seriously. Hot, hot. Yeah. Maybe people can get a heat gun and then really it'll be a hot, hot tip. Dave's wheelhouse is big galaxy, small problems. Yeah, oh great. my God, I love it. Nonsensical world taken seriously. Solar punk, unique magic systems, art deco settings, found footage style writing, and reimagined folklore. We love um, it. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Before we talk about reading books over a long period of time, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Aura Frames. 
Folks, the holidays are here, whether we like it or not, and there's always somebody in your life that is difficult to find a present for. For me and my boyfriend, it's usually his parents. You just never know what to get them. Folks, Aura Frames has got you covered. Named the number one best digital frame by Wirecutter, it's an easy, thoughtful gift to get your loved ones. So basically, it is a nice, fancy digital picture frame and you can upload as many pictures as you want and after it's shipped out from anywhere you don't have to agonize over choosing like one perfect picture you can upload a bunch of pictures there's unlimited storage and your grandma your dad your mom and whoever you're sending it to can swipe the top of the frame to see everything and pick their favorites as well it is fantastic i probably shouldn't announce on the show that we're giving this to my boyfriend's mom for christmas but you know what i don't think she listens to this show if so, I'm sorry, Barbara. <laughs> We're spoiling your present. But it's great. It's so cute. It's such a wonderful gift. You can make your holiday shopping easier than ever and give a thoughtful gift that one of your grandparents, one of your parents and aunts, whoever you're giving it to, they're going to love. This just made our holiday shopping so easy. We were already agonizing over what to get my boyfriend's mom, but she's going to love this. And the fact that you can upload as many pictures as you want and they can cycle through... Fantastic. So from now through Black Friday and Cyber Monday, visit AuraFrames.com and get $40 off their best-selling Carver matte frame with the code GLASSES. These frames have been selling out every year, though, so get yours now. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com with the promo code GLASSES. Terms and conditions apply. Glasses. I'm Emily Heller. And I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. We've been doing our podcast for over 10 years. When we started, it was about trying to learn something new every episode. Now it's about us trying to actively get stupider. And it's working. <laughs> Hang out with us and you'll hear us chat about... Gardening. Horses. Various problems with our butts. And all the weird stuff that makes us horny. That's so weird, all that stuff. <laughs> Baby Geniuses, a show for adult idiots. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. This week, we're talking about reading a book over a long period of time. How does this affect your opinion on a book? Is this good for your reading life or is it bad? And what types of books are maybe best read like this? Bria, the idea for this episode came from you. What made you want to talk about this on the show? Okay, here we go. Everyone knows, I, if you listen to the <laughs> Strap show, in. I, I've, uh, I've dipped my tone to the Sarah J. Moss world, which, and I'm only on book two, which is called A Court of Mist and Fury. And it has been a long road, not because the book is not good, but it's because I listened to it and it's like a fucking 17-hour book or something. And I basically only listen to it when I'm, like, going to do something for a long period of time. So planes, train rides, like, hours worth of deep cleaning in my house. Like, something like that. But I realized I was listening to it the other day on a long walk. And I texted Mallory because I was like, we should do a show on listening to books over long periods of time or reading books for over long periods of time. Because I think I've been reading this book for a year. It, it's not <laughs> quite a year but I remember at a holiday party last year, someone was like, you should pick this up and you should read the second one in the series. And I hadn't done it. And so I can't remember if it was Halloween or 
Christmas, but it was around this time I started listening to this book. Wow. So it made me think like how it does that change my experience of this book and do I feel differently about it? But I know there's a lot of people who are like, I've been reading the same book for a year. I read like a page a night and then I fall asleep because I'm too tired. So I know this is something that happens quite a bit because we hear people talk, they write in about it. So wanted to talk a little bit more about that. So is this the only book you've ever done like this or or is this like a, a Bria Grant special? No, I mean, this is maybe the one of the longest, but I've done it with like big coffee table books where I read like a little at a time or often with like an essay collection or a short story collection. I'll read like one story a night and I don't necessarily read it every night. So it could take me, you know, a month or two to finish it or even longer, uh, just depending on, on what it is. Uh, what about you? Are you ever doing this? I actually will do this sometimes, but only with nonfiction. I okay. will never, ever, ever do this with fiction. And that's why it's so interesting to me that you're doing this with a series. Fiction, yeah. I just want to inhale it. But sometimes there's like an essay collection, maybe a history book, but most of the time it's an essay collection that I'll read over a long period of time. Usually this is because maybe like the content is like really intense. Mm -hmm. um, I did this with uh, Roxane Gay's anthology, uh, Not That Bad. Or, you know, it's just I want to take it really slow because it's really poignant and meaningful and I want to absorb as much as I can. I read Melissa Fabos's Girlhood like five pages at a time because it was so like, wow, I want to absorb it. One of my favorite essay collections, Tressie McMillan Cottom's Thick. Uh, I love that book so much. And I think I read like two pages at a time over like four months or something. So, Bria, you've been reading this book for a year. Are the other ones like, are you taking weeks when so, when you're thinking of reading a book over a long period of time is it weeks months years like how long is too long for you well i would say this is the longest because i'm around a year or something but normally it's like a couple of months you know like i will like and that's even long normally it's like a month but you know there's a one nonfiction book that i've read like three or four chapters from and each is about a different it's that eight bears book so I don't think I've talked about it on the show but I've only read about like three of the eight bears <laughs> so I have like five <laughs> bears to go you know you I did talk like about this in a bonus episode that you said that this was going to be one of your anticipated books that you were going yeah, to read yeah and so like I've only read about <laughs> three out like, of five bit. bears agree yeah, so three like, out of eight I only bears have, agree you got to finish this book you got to finish this book but I, it's like I don't there's no real connection between the different the bears chapters or the bears they don't know each other <laughs> <laughs> they're not friends i don't have to remember anything from things so i can go like in between books where i'm like oh i don't have anything that's due back to the library soon i'll just go and read like a chapter of that or something but yeah mostly months month ish this is much longer what, what about you are you doing are, you're not doing a year-long read no weeks for sure months maybe i think it's just for me personally i don't have any patience <laughs> and if i like a book if I like anything, you know, almost better than anyone. I have no in between on things. You know, if no. I like something, I want to inhale it, yeah. consume it fully like a python. But that's the key to it, I think. Like, I think how long is too long is so subjective because if you're regularly like you're maybe you were reading uh, only a page at a time, but you're reading one page every day and you're still yeah. enjoying that page like that's not too long like go for it or maybe you're the type of person I wish I could be this person but I am not that you can pick up a book after a couple of months and like dive right back into it I'm just the person who if I put down a book and I haven't read it in even a month I will restart the whole thing oh wow okay okay mm -hmm. not me so this is the longest you've taken to actively read a book right mm -hmm. I think so I mean, I don't know, maybe when I was younger, but definitely in recent years, this is the longest for sure. I think the longest for me was like six months. 
That's as okay. far as it went. And it was Lynch on Lynch, a book of David Lynch interviews all about his movies. I love. In a very rare Mallory move, I highlighted the shit out of it. So I would read one interview about a particular movie, highlight a bunch of stuff, really think about it. And then I would wait a few weeks and I would read another one. I don't normally read books like this. I love that book so much. But I think that was the longest for me. Is that so, the one about his childhood too? Or is it just about his movies? No, that's Room to Dream. Uh, Lynch oh, on yeah. Lynch is like. I have that one. That I've been, it's been on my queue for great. a while. Yeah, on my oh. Libra FM queue. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. So how do you think this has affected your opinion on the Sarah J. Moss book? Yeah, I mean, it's weird um, because I still want to know what's happening in the book. So I'm still picking it up, right? And um, So interesting. And I know what I'm going to do is go back and read after this one, I have plans to read the next Crescent City before the third one comes out. So, But people are like, you got to read this one before you read that. And so I just was like, well, I'm just going to try. I'm trying to dip my toe into this fandom. So, But it's, look, normally I would say this is me putting off finishing a book. And this is definitely something I've done in the past where I'm like, I'm still reading that. But like, I'm not fucking reading that book. Like, there's been like novellas <laughs> sitting on my bedside table where I'm like, I'm coming back to that book. And it's like, no, you're not, Bria. You're not coming back to the fucking book. Um <laughs> Uh, but I think if I do come back to that book after like three months, a lot of times I like it a little bit less, unfortunately. And I do wonder if it's going to be coloring how I feel about this particular book because I am interested and I want to know what's happening. It's a very plot driven book. So like I can kind of like jump in and be like, oh, right. Okay. I know these characters and I know what's going on, but I do wonder if it's going to make me like the book a lot less because I've spent so much time like dragging out reading it. Even though I'm telling you, I am still interested. Like, I want to know what happens by the end of this book, you know? And, and so, you don't forget stuff? Not in the way these books are written. They're written in a style that kind of you could put it down for a long period of time. Because I, well, I also read the first one. So I I now am pretty steeped. I'm well educated in the world of horny fairies now. So, like, I know you what the fuck is going on. You are a certified horny fairy I'm expert. like, who's the horniest? Okay, I know. You know, that's all you gotta know. No, I I, I know. I do know what's going on. PowerPoint presentation on the horniest fairy. Well, if you think about it, like, if I listen to, like, an hour or two every month, I'm still, like, I'm probably, like, three hours from finishing it, so I could, I'm definitely gonna finish it this year. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I'm listening to a couple hours every month. I'm still, like, listening to it every month, you know? So... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not forgetting it for some reason. I think I would with like a normal book, but because of like the size and the length of this book. It's kind of like Stephen King as well. He just kind of like she's reminding me what's happening. She's like, "Oh yeah, and remember this happened?" And then like, "She's oh, right, like, I, do I know that it's taken you 3 months to read yeah. this book. I'm keeping you going." But I do worry worry it's going to make me like it less because of this way I've chosen to read this book. What about you? Do you think it affects the way you like whether or not you like a book? I introduce myself on this show as the book devourer for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, my preferred way to read a book is literally in one sitting. Like that is my ideal book reading experience. So this really is not for me most of yeah. the time, just because like I said before, I'm just so impatient. Like if I'm really into something, I want to know what's happening. I want to know what, ha- like all the things all at once, every book, every page all at once. Um <laughs> But I can understand that for some readers, maybe taking it slow and really absorbing a book would improve their opinion on it, especially Mm -hmm. say it's a really complicated fantasy series that's got a lot of details and, you know, a whole brand new magic system and a whole brand new world that needs to be built from scratch. So you might want to, you know, absorb it all and stay with the characters for a really long time. I think with everything on the show, it's about knowing yourself as a reader. Mm -hmm. Um, I can definitely understand, like, maybe if you read a a really complicated fantasy book Mallory style all in one go you would finish it and be like I kind of didn't pick up on everything yeah 
So maybe reading it over a long period of time. Also, I can see, I mean, I think it's interesting that the, the book that you're doing this with is a series. And I think that's a key part of it is that you, like you said, you already know all these characters. So it might be kind of fun to, we say drag it out, but that sounds negative, but to just extend it. Cause then it's like, I don't know, a season of a TV show that you're like taking in regularly. And if you can, if you've already read the first book, so you already know the characters, you already know the world, you already know the rules. I don't know. I, I think that might be kind of fun. I never do see, I've never done a series on audiobook, but I wonder, I don't know, maybe Bria, you've discovered a new hot way to read fantasy series. Maybe, maybe. I'd be curious how other people, I know there's people who are like, I, it took me a year to read this book and I'm curious to hear from other people who have done this. Yeah, let us know. Send your thoughts on extended book reading to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we give advice on making friends with librarians, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Scent Air. Folks, I'm going to tell you a secret. You can't tell my cat that I told you because she'll be real mad. But my beloved cat, Lula Fortune, is real stinky. She's cute. She's my favorite creature in the entire world. I love her more than anything. But she has one big flaw, and that's that she's really smelly. <laughs> she can destroy a litter box and clear not just a room, but the entire floor of our house. Or you know what has finally stymied her power? It is scent air. Basically, the way you use scent air, you put the scent cartridge in, you plug it in, and it cycles through blowing air and scent all over whatever room you're putting it in. And folks, I was a little skeptical. I was like, nothing can stand up to Lula. She's simply too powerful. But scent air has done it. We really, really like it. They have more than 60 fragrances, which are all cruelty-free and safe for families. So no matter what kind of scent that you like, they've got something for you. Honestly, any scent is better than what Lula leaves in the litter box. But the ones they sent us are fantastic. We've got apple and lime and emerald meadows. And they even have scent cartridges with their new pet calming complex, which is a proprietary formula that uses industry recognized pet calming components to help calm pets and reduce fears and unwanted behaviors. But honestly, it's not the unwanted behaviors that I'm worried about. It's the unwanted sense. And it really, truly does work. We've been using ours for like a month and a half and it's fantastic. I know Bria has told you about it before. She also uses it for her litter box. If you have a litter box, especially if it's like in a main room of your house, mine's in my bathroom, but wherever it is, you got to check it out. At least go check out their scents. It truly is worth it, especially if you have a stinky cat like my baby girl, Lula. So you can try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to scentair.com and using promo code glasses for an extra 25% off your first order. That's scentair.com, promo code glasses. Glasses. Oh, darling, why won't you accept my love? My dear, even though you are a duke, I could never love you. You... You borrowed a book from me and never returned it. <gasps> Save yourself from this terrible fate by listening to Reading Glasses. We'll help you get those borrowed books back and solve all your other reader problems. Reading Glasses, every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Awkward library user writes in. 
Hi, Brea and Mallory. I have an awkward library user problem. I'm a regular at my library, so much so that the two librarians who are there every time recognize me on site. And thanks to my account coming up every time, they know my name. The awkward part is me. I am not comfortable with social interaction and find conversations very difficult, which is why, despite using this library for five years and being so familiar with the librarians, I don't know their names. Mm. And it feels really rude by this point and way too late to ask, is there a way to subtly find out their names without making it clear (laughs) I don't know? (laughs) Or am I just doomed to keep writing on my TBR that a book was recommended to me by Mr. Slash Miss Librarian? Brea, do you want to read Awkward Library Users Wheelhouse? Yes. Wheelhouse is LGBT plus characters, funny people solving mysteries, good witches, talking animals, pets, books within books, gaggles of sisters, old ladies who are sick of everyone's shit, gay idiots (laughs) in love who have no idea their feelings are requited. Requited, not unrequited. I like that. Duos where one thinks they're academic rivals and the other thinks they're best friends. And lady academics in pre-1920s settings. Bonus, if they study a fantasy species. Wow. Specific. I actually can think of a couple of books that yeah. fit this fit that yeah. particular wheelhouse. Really? I love yes. it. Well, Bria, what do you think? How do you how does awkward library user make friends with these librarians? Listen, I I relate to this. I also like a lot. Most people have this problem, and so don't feel bad. Don't feel bad if you don't know someone's name. If you feel comfortable, I think you can just ask their names. I usually start with a like. I know you've told me before, but I am really I have forgotten your name. Can you please remind me? They have a computer with your name on it, so don't mm-hmm. feel bad. That's how they know your name. They're cheating. They cheated to know your name. Not really cheated, but they that's how they know. <laughs> so it's okay if you don't know their names. I did just wonder, Mallory, could you just go on the website and see who your local librarian is? I think it depends on the library. I think some yeah. libraries... It's like, you know, some companies list, like, meet our team. Like, you can do that at Maximum Fun and see all the lovely co-owner employees who work at Maximum Fun, but some of them don't. So, I mean, it's definitely worth a try. How sneaky and snazzy would awkward library user feel if they went to the library's website, found their names, and then went the next day and was like, hello, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that would actually be weirder than just asking the name. Like, I agree. <laughs> I think you should just because in the librarians like, how do you know my name? I know because most people, I'm going to say, 99 percent of people don't know their librarians' names. So, like, unless yeah. they work at the library, so this is not a weird question. Um, it's very sweet. You want to know their name, and I think they would be very touched that you would ask their name. Because, listen, I've worked in a lot of places where people don't know my name. I've worked as a director where people forget my name. So, don't like you should not feel bad about not knowing people's names. I agree. Honestly, I think that they're going to be thrilled. If Awkward Library user goes up to one or both of these librarians and especially is like, hey, I love getting book recommendations from you. I've read a lot of your recommendations. Uh, A lot of them have been really, you know, five star reads for me, but I don't know your name. I'd love to know your name so I can write it in my book tracking journal. I write where I get them from. I am 100% sure that they're not going to be offended. And I'm almost completely sure that they're going to be very flattered and very happy to be like, oh, yeah, my name is Sarah. And the other one's like, oh, my name's Sarah, too. We we listen to reading glasses. Yeah, Yeah, look, there's a 90% chance that this person's name is Sarah. Okay, so like, (laughs) just call them (laughs) But I agree. I mean, again, these people... These, these librarians don't know your name just through like the fact that you're coming in. They know it because they pull up all of your personal information. They also know your address too. So it's not yeah. like <laughs> they know yeah. everything about you. 
I mean, I would also say maybe look if these people have name tags, but I don't, I think most librarians don't wear name tags. No, no, no. And even if they so. do, they might be like on a lanyard that is very, you got a 50% chance is flipped around to the wrong direction. So very um, next time you check out, just say, hey, thanks for, you can bring up a particular book like, hey, thanks for recommending Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I loved it but I don't know your name and I would love to write it to know so I can track it and just to, to know you, who you are. No yeah, one's and ever if you gonna... don't, you don't, you literally don't need an excuse. I don't think, I think you can just straight yeah. up say like, I just don't know your name. I'm sorry, but I feel like we have a lot of interactions that are lovely, you know, and I think they'll be happy to say, tell you their name. Oh, a hundred percent. There's never a point in time, unless you're being asked by a police officer where <laughs> someone is like, Hey, I want your, I want, I want to know your name where someone's going to be like, no, I don't want to share that. Yeah. I remember when I worked as a vet tech, when I had a client and we had patients, I guess the patients aren't saying it, but the clients are. <laughs> <laughs> When the clients are like, hey, you know, we really, you know, you're our favorite tech. What is your name? Like it always, because I didn't wear a name tag. It always made me feel so good. Yeah, and of course. It me feel, feel good about myself and good about my job and made me excited to see them because I had a, like more of a personal connection with them. So give it a shot. Awkward library user, let us know how this shakes out. We hope that you get some uh, new library friends. If you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Time to answer a recommendation request from Daisy. Daisy says, I'd be honored if you could recommend a book to me. My wheelhouse is realistic fiction or narrative nonfiction, boarding schools slash dorms slash other group housing, neurodiverse narrators, stories that happen all in one day or night, city settings, female best friendships that outshine their other relationships, stories about books and libraries, puzzles for the main character to solve, and anything about baseball. From Daisy the Librarian. So it's always, Brie, it always feels like I know. extra pressure, pressure to recommend a book to a librarian. Uh, but we're going to give it a shot. Bria, what do you think Daisy the Librarian should um, should read? Well, I was thinking the library book by Susan Orlean, but I, I, I just feel like it's narrative nonfiction. It's about libraries. Daisy's already read this book, right? I just feel like that. So I, I feel like we have to go deep. And I, I kept going into like these deep spirals, like maybe this one, maybe this one. And you know what? Mallory, I think we've recommended all the books. I think we're you done. Know, we've finished, you actually we've recommended the book that you ended up picking is not the one that I thought you were going to pick. Oh, really? Because I was I like, I'm going gonna... to go buy a standby. What did you think I was going to pick? I thought you were going to pick The Cartographers by Ben Shepard. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. That's a great one. Anyway, we've recommended all the books. We've recommended every book. I don't think I can come with a new one. I'm going Convenience Store Woman, which is a book I retired, but it's a neurodivergent character in a city. It's realistic fiction. It's by Sayaka Murata. I I think this is a great book. It's about a woman who works in a convenience store in Japan, and things get awkward and uncomfortable when a man comes in and doesn't follow the rules like she wants him to follow the rules. I think that's a great one. But Mallory, I just like, I had this moment where I was like, have we recommended every book? Has every book already passed through the reading glasses recommendation list? Anyway. I feel like books are the same way as clothes. Either you have nothing to read at all or you have way too much. And yeah, I think sure. it depends on whether or not you're doing laundry. I always either feel like I have every book in the world or I have I have none and I need to buy more. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I like the cartographers, though, because even though it's not realistic, it, it does have a puzzle for the main character to solve which mm-hmm. is fun. And it's very library focused. Mm-hmm. I think it, it takes place in the New York Public Library, right? I can't remember. I think something like that. I but don't know. it's also city setting. Like, What do you got? 
I pulled a new book out. Wow. Well, so you, actually, we, you haven't recommended all of them. You I've never recommended one. this. And I think I talked about this on, on, on the show a really long time ago. It's a backlist book from 2017. So it would have been the first year we did the show, which wow. is almost seven years ago. Which oh, my is God. Bananas. Um, but this fits in city setting group housing and realistic fiction It is infinite home by kathleen alcott and it is a really sweet story about this elderly widow and she owns a brownstone in brooklyn and she has all these different quirky people that she rents apartments out to and her very crappy son wants to evict all these nice people and sell the building and as the the widow gets older and her mind starts to go all the people in the building have to kind of band together to figure out what they're going to do because they feel like getting evicted is quite eminent for them and every single person Person is struggling with something different and is, you know, has been kind of beaten down by life in, in very different ways. So they have to find connection and love with each other. And it's very sweet and it's very compelling, really mm. good character book, because again, all these different people are struggling in different ways and is very kind of found family-y. It's so great. And also I just yeah. want people to be aware if you're like, oh, this sounds great. And you go look it up and you want to get it, get it from the library or buy it. One of the characters in the book is disabled and the copy for the book, which I do want to highlight, authors don't write the copy for books, by the way. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know that. Just, yeah. just to say, it does has to have some ableist language about this character. Yeah, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's a bummer. But also it was written seven years ago. Sure, so sure, sure. Okay. People were not as um, aware of that stuff. But just, just, just so you know, in case you like, you're looking at it and you're like, I'm not interested in this book anymore because this author is saying this stuff. Authors don't write that. Don't let that put you off because it's a really sweet book. So that's Infinite Home by Kathleen Alcott. And I'm saying Convenient Store Woman by Sayaka Mirada. So you can send your recommendation request to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. Someone email us and let us know how the Facebook group is doing. Bria and I have not been on Facebook in a long time. I have no idea what's going on over there. No clue. One of the mods. Let us know. Hopefully things are still trucking along. And remember, you want to look bookish and adorable and warm and cozy this end of autumn, start of winter. Go over to the Void March store. There's a link in the show notes. There's all kinds of cute sweatshirts and totes and fun reading glasses stuff that directly supports us. And if you love us, which we hope so because we love you, please open that podcast listening app on your phone. You're probably on your phone right now, unless you're you driving. Don't do yeah. it while you're driving. Don't do Wait it. till you get wherever you are probably the library, park, get in a safe place, get your phone, open up the podcast listening app, and please give us a lovely review or a five-star rating or both. It really, really is great for the show, great for us, helps us get more glassers in our lovely little community. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.